This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday and that means it's time for our Zoomer squad and we have a lot to talk about. On the federal scene, there's a new Minister for Seniors. Deb Schultz is her name. On the provincial scene, the Ford government is making good on a campaign promise to spend $90 million annually for free dental care for low-income seniors. Uh, And they've also just announced the first of those Ontario health teams. And on the municipal level, a big brouhaha over a program that was certainly the result of good intentions. City Councillor Cynthia Lai of Scarborough got the police to hold a pedestrian safety session for seniors and to give out reflective armbands and safety advocates are crying foul, saying this is victim blaming. So what do you think? Is it victim blaming? Is it just maybe condescending to older people? Maybe they aren't the only ones who could use some reflective armbands when they're walking. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now I would like to welcome Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, and David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media. Hi, everybody. Hi, Libby. Okay, let's start with Marissa, a new seniors minister. Now, I know that the folks at CARP were actually worried that there may not be a new minister of seniors in this cabinet. So I suppose that's good news that there is someone there, not not the one that we had previously. That's all right. Um, no, we're delighted to see that there's a new minister for seniors. Again, it wasn't a guarantee. It was only introduced some two years ago. So um, we're pleased to see that they continued with that. While we enjoyed our work with Philomena Tassi, the former seniors minister, we look forward to working with Minister Schulte. She has a very impressive resume including the fact that she's an aeronautical engineer, which is, I, I can't imagine what that degree entails. So, I, you know, I, as I say, I look forward to working with her. Um, I do know that one of our chapter presidents, Rick Baker in Ottawa, has done uh, has worked closely with her on a number of occasions, and he has only glowing things to say about her. So that's, that's positive. And anyone else on the Minister for Seniors? By the way, I'm going to be talking to her, and we are going to have a feature interview with her this weekend on Zoomer Weekend Review. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, no. I, she sounds very qualified. Yeah. That's She's exactly right. Intelligent person. Yeah. And, and she kind of came out of nowhere because uh, in, in in the last session, she had the worst seat in the Commons. So <laughs> literally came which, out of nowhere. Yeah. So she, she really comes from the backbench, as far away on the backbench as possible to be minister. So it was a bit of a surprising appointment, maybe. And and I guess that means that we can't make any it's not rocket science jokes. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. She's obviously an intelligent woman. And, you know, whatever it is that she needs to learn on this file, I'm sure she can pick up fairly quickly. But again, it's just so critically important that we have that voice in Ottawa to champion seniors' causes. 
Okay. We also got some details on uh, a campaign promise here in the province to provide some dental care for low-income seniors. Now, I gather it's only for uh, very standard things. Uh, Marissa, do you have some of those details? Sure. Yes and no, actually. It's not only for preventive services like cleaning, but actually it does include some restorative services to repair broken teeth uh, and some cavities and maybe some crowns. Even prosthodontic services uh, are partially covered. So if you're looking to have dentures um, made, then those will be partially covered by this program. Now, you have to be 65 years uh, of age and older to, in order to qualify, and your annual income has to be nineteen thousand three hundred or less uh, for a single for a single family for a single individual, or if it's a family, a net annual income of less than thirty two thousand. Still, this program is so important. Um, we hear from people all the time how challenging it is to pay for some of these costs, and if you don't have private insurance or other government programs that cover it, it can be a huge out-of-pocket burden for many people. And what we see is because they can't afford it, people don't realize how inextricably linked your dental health is with your overall health, and they choose to neglect their dental health because of those costs. So as I say, this is such an important service for seniors in the province, and kudos to the Ontario government for introducing it. Well, it's it's interesting. They've actually measured it, and a lot of emergency visits are due to what, after you've been ignoring whatever problem is in your mouth for a long time, you can end up in emergency, and it contributes to hallway health care. And, and that's why, you know, this is part of taking a holistic approach to, to fixing the problems. Uh, do you have any info on how people can access the program? Have those details come out yet? They have. So um, once you determine your financial eligibility, uh, basically, you'll be asked to pr- provide your SIN number. If you don't have a SIN number, or you didn't. Um, but where do you go to apply for it? So you can go online. Yeah. Um, you can apply for the program online or um, by mail. There's a form online that you can get if you just Google, you know, dental care, uh, Ontario program. The And, and the Ontario if not, De- I'll for all those program. people who are going to say, but I don't have a computer. S- contact me. <laughs> I will provide you <laughs> or contact the government. Yeah, but, you know, that's what CARP is here for to help you. Um, yeah. Should you should you should you require and you can apply by mail. Okay. That's good. Now, I can see that the phones are lighting up on the next thing, so we may as well move to it. So here's the thing. At one of the malls in Scarborough, there was a safety session directed at seniors. And we know that the the majority of these collisions that involve pedestrians happen in Scarborough, the majority of the fatalities there and we know that seniors are, uh, you know, more likely to die or have very serious consequences of their injuries. So I'm sure this started with very good intentions. And while, you know, most of the education is aimed at drivers, there are a lot of mid-block crossings in Scarborough, and that's where these things happen. And it's also easy to understand there are vast distances between lights at some places in Scarborough. There are kind of these arterial roads. But there was a huge hue and cry about this, and they were giving out reflective armbands because another thing is it's dark. People Mm -hmm. wear dark clothing. So uh, it was called victim blaming. Marissa, you said you heard something on another radio station today that sounded like very – what did you hear? 
Oh, that uh, <laughs> handing out armbands was akin to, um, you know, if a if a student f- feels unsafe on a school campus to the to the university handing out knives, which is you know crazy. That's crazy. absolutely crazy. ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you know, police wear armbands, joggers wear you know reflective clothing, cyclists like it, it's ridiculous. It, it's it's common sense to wear it. You know, like. I, yeah, I think you'll find a lot of unanimity on this panel. On this <laughs> yeah, I don't, it, it can't possibly be victim blaming unless you stopped enforcing things against drivers. It's I don't know why we can't have two ideas exist simultaneously. You police the drivers aggressively and you give the pedestrians the tools to stay safe. Uh, why does one preclude the other? It's well, common sense. You know, one thing I will say, I, I think that it is a little condescending to say this is only a problem for older people. It isn't. If, if you're driving, it's equally hard to see a young person wearing yes, dark clothing, particularly if they have headphones on and particularly uh, if they aren't even turning to look. This is one of the things that slays me. You know what? And just- driving. It, and it's people who just walk in traffic and they don't even look. They assume that you are looking and you are going to see them. You know what? And this may draw the ire of a younger demographic, but just anecdotally and even in my own personal experience, I would say seniors are far more likely to look both ways before crossing the street than a younger person who may, as you say, have headphones on and jaywalk. And so all, all, this safety session did was hand out free reflective armbands to seniors. Number one, they cost money otherwise. So that's a bonus. Number two, they weren't chaining them to the, to a chair and forcing them on their arm. They were accepting (laughs) them willingly because they wanted them. So it's silly to see these sort of activists out there calling this a form of victim. I I don't see how giving them to seniors implies that it's only for seniors. You've got a high risk, a subgroup among the population, you're able to bring them all together to a certain place at a mm. certain time, and you're equipping them with the tools to stay safe. You could equally run that same program for other age groups. There's mm-hmm. numerous programs at the other extreme, at children in schools, there's crossing guards. I don't know you're how much there still is. You're trying a bunch of different is. things. I, I, I think they retired Elmer the safety elephant a long time ago. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, but there's school crossing guards. I mean, there's, you know. Well, the, yeah, and... Um, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> we're, think, we're but I don't think it's, it. I don't see how it can be victim blaming to simply give them the tools to be safer. I mean, to me, to me I don't anyway. know, I love, you know, even if the driver is at fault, if, if there's a collision, it's the pedestrian that's going to get hurt. Sure. And that's why I don't understand why you would outsource your safety. And the other thing is, you know, I've said many times, I understand that people sometimes jaywalk. What I don't understand is is why would you do it without making eye contact with the driver? Mm-hmm. It's madness. You know, it's it, madness. And it's suicidal. Even, even if you put this reflective armband on your arm, yes, it doesn't mean that uh, pedestrian safety is all of a sudden, you know, perfect, right? It's not, a, it's not to suggest that suddenly cars will stop having accidents, but that's the point is they are accidents. They aren't collisions. In, exact. They're, they're not intentional collisions. People no. aren't driving around intending to hit people, right? So they're accidents or accidents for a reason. If there's a way that as a society, we can increase people's awareness when they're driving, when they're wild, with these reflective armbands, why wouldn't that be well, a good I, thing? I, I, I disagree with often calling them accidents because they're preventable. They're, 
they're usually the result of something. Not, not in, that a person, not that a driver was intending to hit somebody, but whatever it was, going too fast, not paying attention, whatever. But that's another discussion. But their intention was not to hit the person. Well, exactly. The, let's, let's, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin. Hello. Hello, Libby. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm very good. I live at, uh, Steeles and Bramalee in Brampton, and I had two friends hit by cars that, well, they were, you know, dark clothing and that, but I'm also a fitter welder by trade, and, uh, and I thought, I had an invention, just a little arm clip band, kind of like a wristwatch, uh, without the, uh, connection, and you just put it on, and when you walk across the street, this thing blinks like a little wristwatch. Okay, and Good if idea. it's a little wristwatch, a driver can see that? I would think so. If you put it on your arm, up at your, uh, by your shoulder, and it just clips on, you you should be able to buy one from the dollar store. Like okay. A, like a bike light or something. Okay, with a little battery, and, it, and when you when you want to cross the street and jaywalk, and a lot of people have to do it, especially in Brampton. It's terrible. The streets are like six to like eight lanes wide. And yeah. everybody jaywalks. And a lot of people get hit. Yeah, I've, I'm just looking uh, for the number, which I have somewhere, <laughs> of how many people were hit. Uh, Martin, thanks for your call. Okay. Uh, it's a, I'm not finding the Here. number. They're, okay, Marissa found it. Uh, more than 1,100 pedestrians have been hit in Toronto this year and 31 killed. So that's a really big number of people hit. And I think uh, it's, I think reflective armband is a good idea. I don't know about Martin's invention. I I wish him all the best with that. Uh, But I think think that's the point. If you're worried about pedestrian fatalities, my strategy would be all of the above. I don't see that you, single out one thing and saying it's, you know, victim blaming or not. give seniors reflective okay. armbands, give everybody reflective armbands, driver education, lower pedestrian education, yeah. lower speed limits. Yeah. I, I don't think one precludes the other. Right. And I think common right. sense is you attack every front you can think of. Right. Okay. Let's hear from Brian in East York. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lebby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Well, I'm excellent. And, uh, <clears throat> I think the uh, armband is a darn good idea. I don't think it's condescending at all. And uh, all you have to do is look at all uh, your police, fire, uh, uh, all any. There isn't a city worker in Toronto or anywhere, construction guys, you name it. They all have reflective clothing. I work for one of the biggest soft drink companies in the world, and our winter issue had a stripe right around the arms and right across the back, that, you know, a reflective white stripe, like you don't need a battery, but all anybody has to do is, with they're at home or wherever they are right now, is go and take a look at their winter coat and see what color it is. Most of them are dark black, dark gray, 
there's there, there isn't anybody with a white, uh, blue, or maybe the odd winter coat for the ladies. But I think the arm pants are a darn good a- idea. And by the way, <clears throat> Elmer the Safety Elephant isn't in the schools anymore like it was when I went to school. Yep. But yep. Of course, I, Elmer in the Safety Elephant wasn't walking all around East York and anywhere with a cell phone in his ear and not watching where he was going either. Okay, True. thanks for True. that, Brian. Okay. We've heard stories of people walking into manholes because you know, they're not paying <laughs> well, attention, see, right? I mean, especially here in, in Liberty Village, which yes. is kind of millennial central. I mean, they they, they won't get off the, the cell phone to walk across the street. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I'm old-fashioned. I, I do believe in that eye contact thing. And, no, uh, right, though. you know, with you're the right. reflective armband or a stripe, you know, athletic or, uh, almost athletic stuff is, is, it's in style, Marissa. I, so I think that that reflective armband, you know, it might even be a fashion thing. Well, I was just looking at a coat the other day that was lime green. So to your previous caller's point. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this season, I hate to diverge into fashion, but metallics are very much in style. And all these iridescent colors, like even a, a blue has a big sheen on it. So, so people, if, if you're buying a new coat this year, it, it, it will be very safe for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, wait, Dan in Brampton. Hi, Dan. Hello. Hello, are you there? Oh, I am, yeah. I was. Oh, hi, Debbie. Hi. Yeah, I'm Dan Middleton in Brampton. Uh, I guess my comment was that uh, the pedestrians need to be just as aware as the traffic as the drivers are. And actually, I, I have an interesting article I found from Jet. On April 27, 1945. Oh. And the headline reads Traffic toll is 18 in Toronto on that date. So that makes it 54 for a whole year if you extrapolate that. And it actually refers to a distracted pedestrian here. Because okay. it says Miss Plummer was walking across College Street yesterday and it was raining and she had her head down in the rain. And she was struck and killed by a horse drawn dairy wagon. Okay, Dan. Well, plus session. And and so, how does that make for that? That was pretty slow and pretty small. So I don't know, but she was she was distracted. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, sure. Bye. Yeah, I I, I think there's a point there, uh, and uh, you know maybe some of the advocates or the anti car people are are so radical that. They don't want any of that discussion. And I know that certainly when I talk to politicians, they are, they, they want to make the point that it's the car that has the most responsibility. And then there's a majority thing. You know, if you're driving, you're going to notice mostly the pedestrians who don't look and walk in front of you or the cyclists who do crazy things. And boy, there are plenty of those. But there are also people who obey the law. Just remember that the Elmer the Safety Elephant, I'm going to date myself here, but the Elmer the Safety Elephant campaign did put some responsibility on the kids yeah. because the rules that were taught, I still remember it, A, B, C, D, E, F, A, B, C, always be careful, D, E, F, don't ever forget. <laughs> and you clearly and so you haven't. Had, <laughs> you had a responsibility. Yeah. 
to be careful. Right. And it, it didn't and, mean and legally. It didn't mean legally it was on you, but it's they wanted those kids to be aware of what to do. To be aware. That, I still remember. Yeah. Yeah. After all that time. To good, be aware good brainwashing. As we age, you know, um, the, the, the roads we used to cross, like vault across or, or you know, run across, we, we can't do it anymore, right? Or like no. we're, we're physically slowing down. And, Some of and, us can't do well, it Well, I can't. I, I have trouble judging distance now when I'm driving and, and crossing the street and, uh, you, you know, your depth perception gets worse. So as you get older, you, you have to make, um, you know, you, you have to make changes in, in your habits. And, and one of those changes might be wearing a, a reflective armband or you know, just just uh, crossing at crosswalks and not jaywalking, you know? Yeah, but it, it, again, in some of those places, Brampton, Scarborough, I, I you know, it's an, yeah. you know it, it can be nearly two kilometers between lights, so right. you kind of understand. And the main thing is to redesign those intersections. That's going to happen, but not quickly. Not quickly, no. But I'd just like to go back to the reason we're even having a conversation about this, which is the fact that you know, rather than praising this initiative as something that's important and goes toward keeping people safe, um, you know, the one individual who's claiming that it's victim blaming is not a senior. Um, meanwhile, so far, we've heard exclusively from seniors on your show, and they all seem to be thrilled with this type of initiative. Okay, good point. <laughs> good, good point. I, I, uh, Oh, yep. Wait a minute. One more. And we have a first-time caller, Charlene in St. Thomas. Welcome, Charlene. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I think the armbands are a very good idea. My husband and I had a motorcycle at one time, and I managed to get my hands on a jacket made by Honda. I was the passenger, of course, and it was completely reflective. So that when we were going down the highway, I was seen. That's and, a good idea. And, you know, it gets dark early, and I think arm, but any kind of reflection would be a very good idea. Very good idea. Thank you for one, that, one Charlene. We agree. <laughs> Thanks go. for that. You know, Thank you. Even, even cyclists have those reflective... Yeah, they, yeah. On their on their bikes, and they yeah. ought to, right? Because it's 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 you know, dark, and you're putting yourself in a situation that could potentially be lethal. So why not take the most precautions possible? Okay, I think we all agree on that. Uh, let's move along. We have uh, just a few minutes left, and uh, this is a disturbing story, Marissa. So there are some long-term care homes, nursing homes, where. They're barring visitors, family members who complain using a trespass law. Who knew? So as far as I understand, legally speaking, a home can't prevent someone from um, having a family member come and visit them because it's meant to be a place where, you know, it's their home. It's where they live. And so they're circumventing this through uh, using, you know, trespass orders. So as, I mean, assuming everything in this article is accurate, uh, how they're doing it is they're using these trespass orders to prevent people that may be raising concerns about the condition of the home. Um, and we have a couple of situations written within this article where family members have said, we were banned or uh, had our time limited to visit our family member in long-term care because you know, management of the home deemed my behavior inappropriate or potentially aggressive. And 
and harmful. Um, so this is egregious. It truly is, right? Um, and, you know, I, while I've not personally experienced, had anyone share any one of these stories with me, uh, Jane Midas from Advocacy Center for the Elderly, whom I rep, who I respect Yes, deeply, we've had her on the show this, many times. Says she hears uh, from family members often. And if that's true, which I believe it is, that is absolutely heartbreaking and egregious. Well, when you drill down, I think in some of those cases, family members got upset and raised their voice. So the question is, if somebody raises their voice, is that enough of a reason to to ban them? Peter, what do you think? Well, you know, my uh, I, I went through a long run of caring for people, um, my father and mother and my godmother in, in nursing homes. And, and there always is there always are one or two. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say aggressive people, but there, there's always visitors who feel they need to, you know, push back against uh, management and they push back vigorously and they become pariahs in the home and and. The home sort of builds a wall again around them, you know, so they they can't sort of uh, keep pushing their agenda or keep complaining. And 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 to the extreme, I guess this is what's happened here is they took out a trespass order on on this person. It does happen, and and you have to be they, you know, it's a fine line between standing up for your loved one and you know crossing the bounds of of decency. That's, you know? it's, no, it's I also, disagree. It's also yeah. what they didn't do. I read the articles that it's this long period of time where this trespass order is in effect. It's clearly an abuse of the trespass right. laws mm-hmm. because yeah. obviously if someone was violent, if someone was physically oh, assaulted, obviously. obviously you've got to keep them out. But what's happened here that struck me in this one case with the 97-year-old there weren't any meetings in between. There wasn't any attempt to find out what is the complaint, how can we satisfy it. Well, if the, if the management had done something to mitigate the situation, maybe you could say, "Look, they're trying their best. This woman's unreasonable." But this was just your band. I've seen situations where actually raising your voice is the only way course, to get anything absolutely. done. And so it. Yeah. And the thing is, is if. Long-term care homes in Ontario had a squeaky clean reputation that was pristine, you know, maybe. But we do know that there are a series of horrors and abuses that occur in long-term care every single day. Uh, the other thing that I'm concerned about is the fact that, you know, people will be afraid then to come forward. If they're having their privileges revoked, they'd be afraid to come forward and push even mm-hmm. further at the risk of not being able to see their loved one in long-term care because management would keep them out. That they're using this and abusing it, as David said, is wrong. Yeah. Plus, there's a whole retaliatory thing that I'm afraid that after I leave, they're going to take it out on mom because I was yeah. complaining. Well, that's right. And that's also a problem. We've well, had stories like that, Well, as you yeah, know. I think that... that there, all those things come into play, whether somebody is banned yes, or yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 a very scary thing, and it's it's a slippery slope. It's disturbing. You know, my grandmother was in uh, long term care before she passed, and if I knew then what I knew now about long term care, I might have raised a bit of a fuss after um, she was put in there. The one thing that I do know is, and I'm not saying that everyone in long-term care is bad, that the nurses and PSWs are bad, because there was this one nurse who was so kind to her. And so it gives me, you know, some hope that, you know, not everyone is treated extremely poorly. But where families do come forward and raise these concerns, you know, the answer is not to 
to ban them. And unfortunately, we now know that that's happening. Peter? Yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 another case of, you know, we have to do something about these nursing homes. Like we there's so many, um, you know, laws and and things that are just done haphazardly. We need to get on top of it and and figure it all out. And and it's going to take a massive strategy which I'm sure CARP will be pushing for. Okay, and here in Ontario, we now have a minister dedicated to long-term care, so maybe we have to ask her about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Muggridge. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.